Welcome to another edition of The Shannon Plan. My name is Kyle Posey. This is episode 57, a.k.a. Dre Greenlaw. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Akash. Akash, what's going on? What's happening, KP? We are, as we record this, less than 48 hours away from the kickoff to the NFL season with Thursday Night Football. The 49ers play real regular season football this week. I am so freaking excited. Hopefully, they play late into January and early into February. Yeah, they have a chance, man. They have a strong chance to play deep into the playoffs if everything goes, you know, as as some of us are predicting. But first things first, there is week one to talk about. And just speaking of being excited. So sports gambling is legal in Arizona starting Thursday. And things are going to go either really well or not so well for me. So KP is going to lose more money than we did uh, together last season. It's one of the two. Love it. Um, okay, so 49ers have the day off on Tuesday. They do return to the practice field on Wednesday where Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo will speak. Uh, we will hear about Shanahan to see if he has any injury updates because since the last time you've listened to this, the 49ers have signed Josh Norman. Usually when you sign a cornerback in his 30s who has as much experience as Norman, that usually means there's something gone wrong on the forefront. And Emmanuel Mosley has mistimed. He has mistimed with a hamstring injury, I believe it was. And he's been kind of under the wraps. Like, we haven't really heard much at all since then. He he has been back, but he did not practice on Monday. We will see if he's out there on uh, Wednesday. Jason Verrett had a foot injury, but he has returned since. More than likely, I imagine it it is due to Norman. Do you think we're going to get a bombshell um, that Mosley – you know, isn't going to be able to play or is out for an extended period of time. And that's why they're going to, or that's why they brought in Josh Norman. And to piggyback off of that, what does that say about the confidence in Diamondor Lenore and Amber Thomas? Back to the Josh Norman signing. As soon as I read that they had given him up to two and a half million dollars and his base salary was more than the veteran minimum, it kind of showed me that, hey, maybe they do really need Josh Norman to play. It's not just some sort of veteran in depth signing in case something were to happen. And obviously I think Dante Johnson was battling an injury, like you mentioned, Manuel Mosley. And so they got some corners banged up. And while Diamador Lenore um, did have some flash during the preseason, he's still a rookie and you don't want to throw him right into the fire, right? Rookie fifth round pick. Ambry Thomas hasn't shown particularly much. And so it really puts them in a bind and a desperate spot at corner, having to go sign someone like Josh Norman, who I think played nine games last season had one pick and I think it came in that the week 17 game against Miami. So not super meaningful, but not sure what to expect from Josh Norman. He seemed to have fallen off the cliff a little bit once he left Carolina a couple of years ago, wasn't very good with Washington had the one season with Buffalo and now uh, back with San Francisco. So hopefully the best case scenario for the 49ers, Josh Norman doesn't have to see the field. Jason Verrett and Emmanuel Mosley can continue to stay healthy and just, just play, just play 17 games. It's constantly a battle with this team, worrying about which player is going to be playing on Sunday. And now it seems to be showing, you know, rearing its ugly head with the corner position. Yeah, so the last time Norman, when he was in Washington, he was benched. So that is not great. And obviously Buffalo didn't re-sign him. And that kind of tells you, you know, what they thought about his performance. He's he's given up double-digit touchdowns during the past two seasons. So um, there has to be some concern 
obviously a lot can go right for the 49ers. Like their defensive line will control a lot of how of a lot of what happens with the secondary, but we'll see, man. I, I don't know. So real quick, as far as the housekeeping goes, the rest of the, the moves that the 49ers have made, uh, the team did release Elijah Sullivan, rookie linebacker on Tuesday to in his spot. They re 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 re-signed cornerback Dante Johnson to the practice squad. And with the regular season underway, you can actually protect up to four players on the practice squad. The 49ers chose to protect Travis Benjamin, Nate Subfield, and D. Virgin. So only three, all who probably will play on Sunday. I told you before this, I, I think that Travis Benjamin is going to be the punt returner. That way they kind of keep Brandon Ayuk fresh. I do think he will return, but I don't think it's going to be an every return type of deal. And then Diversion, obviously we just talked about cornerbacks. He's a cornerback. He played with the Patriots during the preseason. And I imagine he he would just serve as like a special teamer. And then Nate Sudfield, potentially the third quarterback. Go ahead. The three protections make a ton of sense. They're tied to three different injuries on the 49ers roster, right? Jalen Hurd, injury question mark. So you have Travis Benjamin there. Trey Lance, his finger. I know he didn't have a splint uh, a few days ago um, on that right you know, throwing finger, but in case anything happens, you have Nate Sudfeld immediately protected and then D Virgin, uh, just in case you have other corner injuries that pop up, boom, you, you know, uh, protect D Virgin. And I thought Matt Barrow said it perfectly. Uh, Got to give credit to him. He said, irony, the 49ers might have to utilize Virgin because other cornerbacks have no experience on this roster. So I thought that was well done. That was, that was good. Well done. Hat to you, Mr. Barrow. All right, so let's talk about a football game. We finally have a game to talk about. The 49ers are going to be on the road week one against the Detroit Lions. The 49ers are seven and a half point favorites. SB Nation has a sponsorship with FanDuel now where we will be talking about gambling. So expect a lot of that. And the total on the game is 45. There were a lot of changes on both sides here when we're talking about the 49ers and the Detroit Lions, just as far as, from the last time they played football to today. So the Lions, brand new head coach. Everybody knows all the crazy things that Dan Campbell said this offseason. But the more you listen to him, and you kind of told me this before, it it sounds like he has the right idea. It sounds to me like the players will buy into him. Obviously, we'll see. Of course, that doesn't necessarily have to show right away. But I think secretly Campbell is a guy that I'm kind of rooting for just because he's kind of different and off the wall when it comes to your traditional coach speak and what you get. He seems like a pretty honest guy. Um, he They have a new defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn, who I believe is still in his 30s, which is kind of wild. Um, I know he just – I know he played in the NFL in the 2000s when I was in high school, so he, he's not old is what I'm, I'm trying to say. Um, and then they have a new quarterback, of course. They have Jared Goff and just a ton of differences up and down the roster. Let's talk about that. What are you expecting? I guess you can't go far without talking about golf, so maybe we should start there. Uh, golf, after not having much success at all against the 49ers during his career with the Rams, gets them right away out of the gate. Uh, what, what, can we, what do you think we're going to see from old Jared? It's got to be Jared Goff's worst nightmare. I mean, he spent you know his, his early career in the NFC West going up against just brutal defenses. And the Niners kind of under Robert Sala has always given Goff fits, even though he had Sean McVay as his head coach. And I thought there was one interesting stat when it comes to Jared Goff, you know, in 2019 and 2020, when he's under pressure, his passer rating was 54, which is dead last uh, in the NFL among, you know, qualifying quarterbacks. 
And that's kind of been the key with Jared Goff these past few years. His lack of mobility, you know, really limits his ceiling. And so if you're able to get pressure against Jared Goff, make him get rid of the ball or take sacks, then boom, you flip the script. And what do the 49ers do best on defense? I think it's going to be rushing the passer. Nick Bosa, D. Ford, Ebukam, Armstead, Kinlaw, and the depth on the defensive line that they've accumulated. You want to let those uh, pass rushers get after Goff on Sunday. And I think the change of defensive coordinator now, D'Amico Ryans, we expect the defense to be more aggressive, faster, line more guys up closer to the line of scrimmage, um, and potentially get after Goff. And the other thing during the preseason, um, you know, the Lions obviously used their first round pick on Panay Sewell, who was highly touted coming out of Oregon, you know, is expected to be really good. But on in the preseason, it seemed like he struggled. He had 37 pass blocking snaps in the preseason, four pressures allowed. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, uh, which isn't a great metric uh, or which isn't a great number for Sewell. So I would expect Bosa to line up over Sewell and hopefully Ryan's can get one-on-one matchups there that they can exploit. So I expect pressure, pressure, pressure against Jared Goff and that to be the key come Sunday. Yeah, that's going to be the name of the game. And the 49ers last year, so Robert Sala, obviously the 49ers, their defense evolved during the past three seasons, I would say, the most. But Robert Sala and the 49ers actually blitzed the third most in the NFL on third down last year, and you would not expect that. And that carried over into the preseason, and they really just shut teams down. And I know it's the preseason, and D'Amico Ryans isn't going to really show his hand, but – they were blitzing over 25% of the time, or sorry, they held teams to a 25% conversion on third downs. And they were generating, basically teams were getting sacked on 24% of their passing attempts, which is nuts. That was second in the NFL during the preseason. You mentioned Jared Goff against the blitz. His numbers are not good. So I was looking up his stats just during the past couple of seasons. So four games which small sample size, but we kind of know who Jared Goff is. So in the past two seasons with Sean McVay, so he has much better play caller, much better surrounding talent. Goff had a negative 10.5 drop back per EPA against the 49ers. That is tough to do. Horrible. Um, so he, aver- he did average about two and a half explosive plays per game, but that's what you get you know, when you do face that kind of pressure. His touchdown per attempt – is was the same as his interception per attempt, so it was two point nine percent, which again, not great. Uh, his he completed fifty six percent of his passes against the blitz, only while completing five point seven yards per attempt. So he's just looking to get rid of the ball quickly. He's not looking down the field, is what those numbers tell you. And I mentioned how Salah blitz at a high rate. It was over fifty percent of the time on third downs, and only the Ravens and I forgot. I, I forgot what the second team was. I think it was the Browns uh, were the only teams to blitz more than him on third downs. And just as I mentioned, as we can see uh, through the preseason, D'Amico Ryans, he's going to do a lot of that. So uh, they should be able to fluster Jared Goff and they should be able to be aggressive as well. So they bring the house and they played cover one behind him on third downs. And I really think uh, just he's not going to have the weapons on the outside. So let's let's talk about that. You mentioned, first of all, actually, you mentioned Panay Sewell. Um, Rich Madrid, who writes for NFL, uh, or sorry, writes for Niners Nation, um, he was talking about, he was breaking down clips between Sewell and Melvin Ingram. So good veteran pass rusher, which the 49ers have a few of those. And he just, yeah, he just struggled, man. He, he looked like he was overwhelmed. He looked like he didn't really know what to do. 
And yes, it's a preseason. Yes, Panay Sewell could very well go on to be an all-pro. But if that was happening a couple weeks ago and he's going to go against better pass rushers this time, it's hard to imagine that you know guys like D. Ford, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, they're not licking their chops. I could imagine um, just all types of different type of blitzes where – you know, you're, you're just making the wheels turn too much and that's going to cause some pressure. So uh, you combine that with the lack of weapons, which we kind of talked about beforehand. So if you were to look at the Lions, who golf their is depth going chart. Yeah, yeah it, so. it's it's ugly. I mean, this isn't the team that had Marvin Jones Jr. and Kenny Galladay, right? The, they've got a couple of rookies, I think, Amon Ross, St. Brown out of USC, I believe, right? And then Tyrell Williams, they signed as a free agent, but he was banged up a lot last year. Their best offensive skill player is probably TJ Hawkinson. But you made the point before we started recording that the 49ers have the best potential player to go up against an opposing tight end in Fred Warner. So really that mitigates or nullifies their best skill position guy. So I'm not sure what Goff's going to be able to do against this defense come Sunday if I was playing fantasy and I had the option to pick a defense I would probably ride with the 49ers on Sunday so Tyro uh, Williams and the guy starting opposite of him was Khalif Raymond who I believe was a returner for the Titans and he had double cracking there too deep so yeah it's going to be tough sliding I imagine for the offense the Lions better pray that they can get the running game going. DeAndre Swift is playing, and he does well catching the ball out of the backfield. But again, it's going to be tough for them to generate and sustain play. So how you beat the 49ers defense? Explosive plays, which they just don't give up. And being able to well, – that's really it because you're not – you really struggle to sustain drives against them. That happens for any NFL defense or against any NFL defense. But for these guys specifically, just with the speed, the pass rush, and I think we we don't give enough credit to the 49ers back seven just for how intelligent they are as far as recognizing routes. Um, it's going to be tough sliding. I, I wonder what the game plan for Detroit will be. How do you think they're going to attack the 49ers? I'm sure they're hoping that Jimmy Garoppolo throws some interceptions or turns the ball over and they end up with some short fields. Because if they don't end up with short fields and they have to drive the full length of the field, I can't see them scoring very many points. I would imagine they try to play the ball control game, really feed DeAndre Swift. I think Dan Campbell's really emphasized that they want to get the run game going. So I would imagine Swift probably leads them in touches on Sunday, even though he was injured and I guess he's now healthy to play on Sunday. I would imagine that's got to be the formula. Um, we talked about this last season, but the 49ers run defense was leaking a little bit of oil, um, even though we credit their pass rush unit as a whole. So I would imagine that that's the way to go. Um, and also maybe the Lions hope that a Jason Verrett or Emmanuel Mosley or one of these starting corners doesn't play. And all of a sudden the 49ers have some inexperienced corners on the outside and that they can take advantage there. But uh, there's not many weaknesses on this defense. And especially when you got an immobile quarterback who struggles to make plays down the field, it's going to be a long afternoon, I imagine. Hence why the over-under is only 45. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, what do you do you think that Detroit scores more than 17 points? Like, do they reach yeah. the red zone three times, essentially? Four times, maybe. Who knows? No, I don't think they hit 17. Yeah, so if they don't hit 17, they're not winning. There's just no chance. So let's talk about the offense. Let's segue to the offense here. So the 49ers offense, that is. 
I think this unit has a chance to be better than the defense this year, which is saying something because I think the defense can be really good. And that's regardless of, you know, if Jimmy's under center, if Trey's playing, they're both going to play. But I think there's there are so many weapons and there's so much speed and the schedule does matter. Like we have to take that into account as well. So the Lions, I mean, based on every defensive metric ever <laughs> last year, uh, they were near the bottom. And I don't know if they did enough uh, just to basically. Yeah. yeah. They're hoping that, you know, Jeff Okuda takes a big step because the whole Patricia thing, which is fair. And they do have some pass rushers. They have Trey Flowers and they have Romeo Aquara, which I'm butchering that. But he had, he had a good season last year. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I, I think it's going to take more than that. I don't know that they have the talent or speed to slow down the 49ers. And I think that uh, the 49ers will be able to hit some big plays against a passing defense that just simply wasn't very good last year. Uh, looking at some of their numbers, they're, yeah, they're in the bottom. They were in the bottom for uh, a lot of stats last year, just passing stats. And when I say bottom, I mean like bottom five where uh, the 49ers are on the opposite end of a lot of these. So, again, new year. New season, but who the just looking at the talent because the Jimmys and Joes do matter in the NFL, and uh, the 49ers have quite a few Jimmys on offense. So, uh, with hey, wordplay, uh, with that, um, what do you want to see from the 49ers offense? Uh, what, what's one thing from Kyle Shanahan's play? Because, of course, he's not going to empty the clip the first week, but I mean, if, if you kind of look back to the, the first couple games that he's coached. He doesn't have an issue of, you know, running trick plays or running these throwback pinball right. screens, whatever it may be, um, out of the gate. So what do you think? Well, what do you think from old old Shanahan? I would hope that this is the 2019 NFC Championship game script. It's kind of what he unveiled last week uh, against the Raiders in that preseason game where they came out and it was just Raheem Oster handoff, Raheem Oster handoff, Raheem Oster handoff, Trey Lance keeper. It was just it was run play after run play. And immediately that opens up play action, the easy throws for Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance uh, behind that. And I would imagine that Kyle Shanahan looks to establish the run early. And one thing I always note is on his opening drive, if he thinks the opposing corners can't tackle, he attacks the edges. We've seen that. That's where the Raheem Moster toss comes into play. That's where the Debo Samuel jet sweep or the Brandon Ayuk's, you know, reverse or whatever, right? He attacks the edges. I'm interested to see which part of the field he attacks, but I imagine it's going to be a lot of carries. It's going to be a lot of ball control. It's going to be slow it down, that type of a game plan, I imagine, and just try to, uh, you know, pound the Detroit Lions into oblivion and, you know, make this easier than it needs to be. I, I don't imagine Kyle Shanahan coming out and saying, oh, let's spread him out. Let's let Jimmy Garoppolo try to win this game with his arm. I don't think it's going to go like that. I think this is going to be more of a 2019 early in the season, you know, the game against the Bengals, like that type of a script or the game against the Panthers where they just try to run you out of the building and just play sound defense behind it. So last year, the Lions were dead last in the NFL in defensive success rate at 51%. They were dead last in the NFL in dropback EPA per play. They were 31st in dropback success rate. They were 30th in rushing EPA per play, and they were 28th in rushing success rate. So whatever the 49ers want to do, I imagine they would be able to do. 
Shanahan has had an extensive amount of time, him and Mike McDaniel, to game plan for the Lions. So my only pushback to what you just said would be Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, whoever, Muhammad Sanu, Trent Sherfield, whoever you want to add that. And then the core of the running backs who I imagine Kyle Shannon would like to see what they can do out of the backfield this year, um, whether that be – it's probably not going to be Raheem Mostert. So Trey Sermon, uh, Jermichael Hasty, and uh, Elijah Mitchell. So what if we do see a spread out game where – and it's not spread out air raid where they're heaving it down the field like run and shoot style, but what if we're seeing, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo – Dink and dunk his way down the field with, you know, 12, 15, those type of chunk gains mixed in there. And, you know, he wants to get Jimmy on a roll. He wants to see what Trey Lance can do. So do you think there's any chance that we see that style? Because while there's no doubt he does want to run the ball, if we look at what he did with the Falcons, because when they had a ton of talent um, around their quarterback, he did open it up a little bit and, he did get his tight ends and running backs involved alongside with Julio Jones. I will say that Falcons, he's had a lot to do with the quarterback that was under center in Matt Ryan. Sure. And this team obviously just has, has Jimmy Garoppolo, right? So there's always that, you know, uh, part that factors into it. Excuse me. But Kyle Shanahan as a play caller is aggressive. I think his mentality is to attack the defense relentlessly, however that is. And I just think against the Lions that – you don't need to pull out, you know, the full depths of the playbook and you're able to, you should be able to beat them, you know, easily without needing to, you know, exert all the different types of plays. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo historically has struggled in week ones, right? In regular season, last season against the Cardinals, you and I thought he cost him the game, even though a lot of people think about like the punt that got blocked or, George Kittle being hurt or whatever, but I thought he missed a ton of throws down the stretch that he should have hit that would have helped them win that game. And maybe their season looks a little different, but there was uh, a reason then, George Kittle was hurt. That yeah. Game and then t- 2019, they won the game in Tampa Bay, but Jimmy Garoppolo had two picks. I think he had a pick six, right? Mm-hmm. So he wasn't very good in that game. So really they need him to get off to a hot start, especially considering that, you know, their first two games are, are against teams that they should beat. And then they hit a stretch against playoff, a potential playoff team. So they need to get him rolling early on, uh, assuming he's going to be the starter moving forward. And that that starts with week one. So I think the other side of the coin for, you know, new head coach, Dan Campbell, and he wants to make an impression. So maybe he's on the opposite side of the spectrum where he is trying to empty the bag. He is trying to show out and he is trying to do whatever it takes to get his team off to a good start and win. My question would be, what does emptying the Detroit Lions bag consist of? So are they just going to sell out and make Jimmy? Well, every team talks about we're going to make him throw, but nobody has really done a good job of that, I feel like. And sure, you know, we can talk about specific games where there were losses, but I feel like in the grand scheme of things, nobody has truly made Jimmy like throw the ball consistently on passing downs. But Fortnite do a really nice job of staying ahead of the chain so they don't have to to get there, but uh, what would be a reason where the Lions? So this could be a competitive game, but why? Why will the Lions win? Why will the Lions win? Is that what you said? Oh, I have a tough time making a case for why the Detroit Lions would win. It would have to involve you know multiple turnovers from the 49ers offense, putting the 49ers defense in bad spots, and we've seen that before, right? There, there have been games where Garoppolo in the past has had interceptions or pick sixes and the defense has still been able to make 
pay out of that. And the 49ers have still been able to win a ton of games in 2019 in that way. So I just have a hard time imagining the Lions pulling this one out. There's a reason that the Lions seven and a half, I think it's the biggest spread this weekend, right? I think the 49ers have the biggest advantage. So, and they're on the road in Detroit week one with a packed house of fans for the first time uh, since 2019 in Detroit, I believe. So I just have a hard time with all of that, believing that the Lions can pull off a win. It's got to involve multiple turnovers from the Fortnite's offense. Yeah, they have to really stink it up. I would imagine this also bleeds into special teams where yeah. maybe there's a mace kick, maybe there's a shank punt. Uh, we've seen a fumble for a punt return or a fumble on a punt return where, you know, now the Lions do have a short field and now you are, you know, in a position to put points on the board. So those would be the type of things. It is tough, though. Like, just again, when you look at their roster, when you look at how the teams play each other, when you look at the team speed, I feel like that makes a difference. Uh, the 49ers defense, they're going to be able to suffocate a lot of people this year just because they have a track team and not a lot of offenses are able to field the same type of speed or match that same type of speed. And again, once once they stop you on early downs and force you to pass, it's going to be tough sledding for a lot of teams, not just um, the short lines. It'll be tough for Philly and Green Bay and probably a lot of other teams that this team faces this season. Um, as far as offensive goes, why it's just like what I want to see. I want, I want to see who is the focal point. I want to see if we see that right away. Are they going to rely on Mostert, 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 Mostert? Will it be a Kittle game? Um, because the 49ers feel like the Lions' second-level defenders are a weak point. Uh, as you mentioned, I thought you had a good point of teams not being able to tackle on the perimeter, essentially. And most cornerbacks just – they suck at it. They don't want to tackle. And the 49ers have running backs that can really make you pay in the open field. So uh, will we see Mostert to the edge, Sermon to the edge, and getting those guys in space one-on-one – or is it where we're just seeing isolation routes on the outside or play action shots and the 49ers explosive plays on defense is, or sorry, on offense. And that's the reason why, you know, we see the 49ers put up some points. So um, just who the focal point on, on offense is uh, let's flip the script here, uh, go back to defense. So D'Amico Ryan's again, we don't really know what to expect, but we know what to expect. I mentioned how they blitzed heavily, on third downs last year, and that maintained during the preseason. And, of course, as I mentioned, like some of the numbers aren't really sustainable, but I I really do think he's going to come after just Jared Goff specifically, but most quarterbacks this year. Um, What do you want to see on the defensive side of things? So in the preseason, the 49ers led all NFL teams with 12 sacks, and you mentioned some of the pressure stats, and they got after opposing quarterbacks. And it's the preseason, and – and all that stuff. But I think I really want to watch the secondary closely on Sunday. That's the one position group that kind of gives me a little bit of pause, especially the corners, depending on who's out there. I have no doubt that this defensive line is going to be really, really deep. Um, I'm excited to watch Javon Kinlaw in year two. I feel like he's kind of been lost in the mix. We talk about the defensive line depth and we talk a lot about the, you know, Mo Hurst and Eric Armstead and some of the other guys that they've added as depth pieces. But Javon Kinlaw is a former first round pick last season. He has a lot of expectations going into this year. He was filling big shoes with DeForest Buckner's departure. And he looks to be a massive human, made some plays, uh, you know, during the preseason. And hopefully that carries over into the regular season. So looking forward to watching him primarily secondary probably and how they, you know, last season they played the field and boundary scheme 
mostly because of Richard Sherman's, you know, declining athleticism. And so interested to see how much more man they play uh, versus zone because uh, they have corners that are more athletic, I'd say, in Emmanuel Mosley and Jason Brett. So just those things to watch for. Um, it's week one, so in a new season. So you're interested to see what D'Amico Ryans puts out there and kind of sets a precedent for the season moving forward. Last year, the league average for quarterbacks who were blitzed were – so they were getting blitzed on 28% of the time. They were completing 66% of their passes for a 95.3 passer rating. The last two seasons for Jared Goff against the 49ers, he has a completion percentage of 55%, so he's getting blitzed a quarter of the time, 25% of his dropbacks. 55% completion rate, 5.7 yards per attempt, 63.4 passer rating. So blitz him, come at him all day. I want to see how the defensive line rotates, like how heavy. So D Ford is on a pitch count, and he mentioned that the other day on Monday. I want to see how much he plays, how much Bosa plays, how much they're relying on one pass rusher, who's getting home. We know they're going to blitz, so I want to see who's coming from where. Are we going to see Talanoa Funga often? Are we going to see the rookies? Are we going to see Kwan Williams? Because I feel like we've never talked about him all August. True. Um, yeah, I want to see how creative D'Amico Ryans is. Does he even have to be? Does he need to dial it up? Are they getting home with four where he doesn't have to send extra pressure? So those are the kind of things that I want to see. I, I think they're going to be so fast. I think they're going to tackle well. I think they're going to kind of overwhelm um, Jared Goff just because, again, what we know of Jared Goff versus the 49ers is not very good, and that was with a very, very, very good play caller and supporting cast and good offense. Uh, he does not have those things in Detroit. And this is the first game, so there's going to be – you know, like defenses generally are ahead of the offense. That's why for most of the training camp, the 49ers defense, like they were shutting the 49ers offense down. Uh, that's going to be the same in the NFL. That's why week one scores are generally lower and turnovers happen and the games are sloppy. So with this type of mismatch, it's you, – you hit it on the head. It's just going to be tough for the Lions to move the ball. Um what would happen on offense for them? Like, what, are they going to – is Jared Goff going to hit a big play? Is the running game going to break out? Like, what do you what do you think – like, where would the 49ers defense be susceptible against the, the Lions? I think if there's one area where the Lions have a chance to sustain drives, it's going to be through DeAndre Swift. And arguably their best offensive skill player, it's either him or TJ Hawkinson. And so – I would continually feed him and hope that he can break a big run, continue a drive, continue to wear down the 49ers defense. I don't think their path to success is with Jared Goff throwing the ball 30, 40 times. I, I just don't think that's a winning formula against this 49ers defense. That being said, I can't see them getting more than like 13 points. I, I just don't know how they are going to score multiple times, multiple touchdowns against this team just given the offensive talent they have. The 49ers in 2019 overwhelmed opponents with that defensive line talent and then also offensively wearing down teams in the run game. And I just, I just can't see a path forward where the Detroit Lions potentially score enough to beat this team. I don't disagree. So let's stop beating around the bush and come up with some predictions. What do you think happens? What is the final score on Sunday? Who is the MVP? And what are we talking about on Monday? I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be fantastic on Sunday. 
I think this is his chance to come out and prove why he was worthy of the starting quarterback job over Trey Lance, even though I think it's more about Trey Lance not being ready. I think he's going to be lights out, efficient, uh, not turn the ball over on Sunday. I think they're going to have multiple touchdowns on the ground. Uh, one, maybe to Raheem Mostert. I think Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are going to be heavily involved in the pass game. I think the offense is just going to be efficient. We're going to be talking on Monday about how, you know, a lot of their drives ended up in points, how they were able to move the ball efficiently. And, you know, they were able to intermingle Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo well. And the offense was just able to operate like a well-oiled machine. They've got their healthy starting offensive line. Again, after, you know, the last preseason game, I, th- I just think the offense can be really good. I think the 49ers are going to win 31-13, I'd say. I think it's going to be one of those, you know, 2019 blowout games where, you know, early into the second half, you're starting to tune out a little bit because the 49ers are trying to run the clock out and get out of their healthy. I think it's going to be a blowout, seven and a half point spread. Take the 49ers, take the points. Um, over-under is a little trickier just because I think it could be a blowout and maybe they don't score as much, but I I feel pretty confident the 49ers win by at least a couple touchdowns. What about you? Yeah, I think they win comfortably too. I'm going to take that bet. I think that I agree with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's going to just look really good. I think that the offensive line is going to give him confidence like we have not seen before. I think him knowing that he doesn't have to, you know, just, well, obviously every offensive line has breakdowns, but I think more than ever, more than he's ever had to experience during his time in the Bay Area where uh, he just he's not going to have to worry about guys running free up the middle. He has his blind side protected. He has a great, great supporting cast. And because of that and who his play caller is and just him being in the offense that he's going to have a strong couple of games here to start the season. Agreed. And there's going to be a lot of people patting themselves on the back uh, because of that. And that's going to be fun to kind of play out as if anybody is rooting against that. Um, I think there's going to be a little bit of a wow factor on both sides of the ball where people are going to be talking about the 49ers like, oh, wow, this is who they can be. And I think Kyle Shanahan is going to play into that. I think he wants that to happen. He wants people to talk about his football team, and he's going to do everything he can to make that happen because there has to be some sort of sourness in their mouth with how last year went, knowing the expectations coming off of 2019. So I think all of that is going to come together now that they do have some health. Uh, I think we're going to be talking about just how nasty they are and fast on defense because there's probably going to be a ton of sacks or just unfortunate plays for the Lions, whether that's turnovers, whether that's sacks, whether it's just looking stagnant on offense. And we're going to see some big plays on the 49ers offense. So, yeah, I I agree. I think it's going to be a game that's, you know, 30s, teens, maybe 28, 13, something like that, where the 49ers get out hot and then they just kind of put it in cruise control from there. So, it's, it's going to be fun to see. I'm not sure exactly what happens is if it's going to be a Debo, IU, Kittle, whoever game. But I think a lot, everybody's going to be able to, you know, get a taste of, of what it's, what it, uh, what the offense can be. And, and that's going to be fun. Uh, we really didn't talk about Trey Lance. So how much will we see of Trey Lance? Will we see Trey Lance? Uh, we talked about Nate Sudfield being protected, which probably hints that he's going to be called up. So um, how many passes does Trey Lance throw over under five? I'm going to say over five. Over five partially because I think he's going to get inserted in different drives. 
And I think at the end of the game, it's going to be such a blowout that he may get like a full drive where he's able to get over five passes. What about rushing attempts? Over under rushing attempts of 10. No, he does not reach 10. I would say he does throw the ball more than five times. I would guess he plays about three to four series worth. And that is again, just the score. Yeah, just because this, they will be up comfortably enough where they can pull guys. But again, at the same time, you want to see him play with most of the starters. So that'll be interesting. It's it's a it's an interesting dynamic that they have going on here. But if you are winning comfortably, nobody's going to be talking about that the next day. They're going to be focused on you just punching people in the mouth. So I think that is more incentive for them to get up big. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we see anywhere near the amount of Trey Lance that we saw in the preseason game. I think it's going to be dialed back quite a bit. And yeah, just as you mentioned with him, when he's ready, the more he evolves as a player and just matures and just figures out how to play the position at an NFL level and gets up to playing the position at NFL game speed, that's when we'll see more of Trey Lance. But uh, we're, we're not there yet, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So nope. uh, long, long, long way to go. It's going to be Jimmy's show for now, and they're going to ride it out until that changes. Uh, the Athletic actually – or no, sorry, it was ESPN who predicted that Jimmy Garoppolo will start until about week 12. Week yeah. yeah, one of those two. And then Lance comes in, finishes hot. They actually win the division, finished second in the simulations, and ended up losing after Lance beat Justin Fields in the playoffs, which would be a great story, I feel like, for the NFL. That would be. Um, They lose to the Packers in the divisional round, I believe it was. Do you think that would be a success for the 49ers? Absolutely. We've talked about it. A lot of people talk about Super Bowl or bust. The team's not here yet. They can make the playoffs. And Trey Lance is starting by the end of the season. Kyle Shanahan can, I think, sleep happily at the end of the year and call the season a success because now headed to the next season, you have higher expectations. You have a quarterback that's in year two on his rookie contract and started a bunch of games, started playoff games for you. That's fantastic. Yeah, I would think so too. And I I don't think – obviously, you know, the, the best case scenario would be to win a Super Bowl. With win it all, yeah. But that just – doesn't seem plausible. Like there are a lot of good teams. There's a lot of parody in the NFL. And just for Trey Lance to do that, like he would be, he would have to be a special, special player. Like they took him high. So they think he's a special player, but that's like over, you know, overachieving over all the expectations that you would have possibly thought. So I don't think that's going to happen, but 12 wins, a playoff win heading or into the first season, knowing that, okay, now next year, with all the space that you have, you can use that to buy corner or pay cornerbacks in free agency, pay whatever position it is that you felt you were lacking, whether it's more off the line, whether it's somewhere in the secondary, shoot, go get another pass rusher, who knows. But uh, that would be very successful. And it would set up for a lot of excitement too, just because by then we would kind of see and we'd have an idea of who Lance is. But that is a long way from now. Hopefully we will be talking about that Um that should be it for us. Uh, we will be back next week to break down. Please rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars. Let us know what you would like us to talk about, whatever it is on your mind, wherever it is you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter, KP underscore show. Feel free to subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm going to be trying to break down as much content as I possibly can on there uh, that doesn't fit into Twitter clips. 
Again, Kyle Posey on YouTube. Akash, where can we find you? At Twitter, at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Again, appreciate you for listening. Rate, subscribe, review, Niners Edition Podcast Network. Hopefully when we're talking next week, the 49ers are 1-0 and go Niners.